Support for this show is brought to you by our friends at Bloomerang. Bloomerang offers donor management, online fundraising, and volunteer management software that helps small to medium nonprofits like First Tee of Greater Akron. After just one year with Boomerang, First Tee of Greater Akron doubled their unique donors, improved donor stewardship, and raised more funds. Keep listening to hear their experience or visit bloomerang.com backslash what the fundraising. I think so many of the practices that I do and so many of the things that I share are all things for remembering. We come here to Earth School with Amnesia, we forget our divinity, we forget our worthiness, we forget how valuable we are because we freaking exist. Welcome back to episode 60 of What The Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. This episode was made possible thanks to our friends over at Neon One. Today, to launch season three, I'm interviewing Ruthie Lindsay. Ruthie is an author, coach, speaker, and extraordinary healer whose rare wisdom provides a beautiful mirroring of all that we are, including the difficult pieces so many of us are reluctant to expose. This episode starts with my sharing a super cringy story about the first time I met my magical friend, because I lied to her. And then by the end of our hour together, I did the cringiest thing of all and told her that I lied to her. You'll get all the details of this interaction on the episode, and you'll hear why it was the beginning of one of the most liberating journeys and friendships of my life. How Ruthie responded and what she taught me in her response taught me so much about myself and about love. Ruthie has taken me to the next level of self-reflection and self-love, allowing me to bring my full self to the table every day, even with my cringiest imperfections. And I'm so excited to bring some of that learning and conversation to support your own journey. In this episode, Ruthie invites us to embrace our truest selves through self-discovery, healing, rituals, and practices. And my guess is that many of them you haven't heard about before. If you work in the service or nonprofit world, this episode is especially relevant. Here's a chance to pause and reflect on what it means to feel nourished and deeply worthy, which in turn will fuel your life goals and mission. I can't think of anything more important to be talking about as we launch into the second half of the year and start season three. So let's go meet Ruthie. Welcome, everyone. I could not be more excited to be here today with my friend, Ruthie Lindsay. Ruthie, welcome to What the Fundraising. Thank you, sister. Oh my gosh. I just get so excited. I feel in my body so much excitement every time I get to sit across from you on a computer. (laughs) I'm just like, oh my gosh, I get to be in this beautiful human's energy. And I just feel so honored. So thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to be with you. Oh my gosh, I feel the exact same way. And I'm so excited to have the conversation we're going to have today. But let's start with you just telling everyone a little bit about you and what brings you today. Yeah, as you said, I'm Ruthie Lindsay. I have a home in Nashville, Tennessee, though I travel a lot. I love it here very much. And I am a speaker and an author. I read a memoir and I get to do 
coaching of sorts. I need to come up with a better term for it because it doesn't feel like it's, I don't know, it feels different to me than coaching, but I guess it's a form of coaching. And I get to work with incredible women and do just, oh my gosh, work that brings me so much joy. And it feels like such a privilege and such an honor. And all of my work, it's under the umbrella of healing. And a lot of embodiment, it's a lot through the divine feminine lens, which is through our bodies. And I also get to lead workshops and retreats and do all kinds of fun things. I pinch myself at times that I get to do this work because it's just what I'd want to do if no one paid me. And it's what I do when no one pays me. So it works out great. I'm nailing it. It's the moral of the story. I love it so much. And, you know, the only thing I offer is it's all the medicine that I've so desperately needed for myself. I was really unwell for a really long time and it sent me on such a journey and it became such an invitation to come back home and do really beautiful inner work and to begin this. I think I'll be on this journey until I'm back home and in between, but it's just, it's ongoing, but I'm learning a lot of stories of all the stories that are so wrong with us that we've inherited and remembering our inherent value and worth and goodness because we exist, period. So that's a little bit about me. I love that you said that about what you call yourself because I have struggled with that too. I'm like, she's a coach and a healer (laughs) and I don't know what term she uses, but... (laughs) Well, and it's funny because I also try to not label myself because it's mm. so easy to put ourselves, I'm a this, I'm a woman, I'm a Southern person, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter. And so I've tried so hard to unlabel myself because mm. like, none of that is actually who I am. Those are parts of what I do, but it's mm. not actually who I am. So then after unlearning so much of that, put myself in a category of what this is because I don't really, it's, I made it up. <laughs> not that I'm like unique in what I do, because hello, but yeah funny, but it feels, it feels really aligned with an extension of just who I am and how I live and what I've Mm. needed for myself. And I call the work love reflection sessions. And we do these containers because I think ultimately everything I'm doing is just mirroring what's so true and what your soul already knows that we just need remembering of. Like I'm no one's guru. There's no hierarchical thing here. I'm walking alongside women Mm. and mirroring all that I know is true for them because everything I know is true for me. I don't really necessarily know how to put that in a category and the business end of it is, it's just interesting, but it's worked. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm so grateful, you know? So I think we should start with my love reflection session story because I was just telling this to someone the other day and I was saying Mm -hmm. how you and I are more recent friends, but we've become really close, really fast. And I jokingly said to them, I said, yeah, that's because I told her I lied to her within (laughs) 60 minutes of meeting her. And they were like, wait, what? (laughs) So I'll tell everyone my version of the story. And then you can say what it felt like for you, because I think it is just this moment. I certainly have never had it before, but Basically, you posted on Instagram that you were offering these sort of one-off love reflection sessions. Something inside of me was like, I want that. So I bought it for myself, but then immediately had a narrative around, that's not the type of thing you buy for yourself. That's something Mm. someone gifts to you or someone thinks you deserve. And so I told you that Ryan, my husband, had bought it for me. And... We went through the session where 
I was mostly crying and feeling really seen. And you said so many things during that session that I think about all the time about how all the parts of us get to sit at the table with us, the parts we think are worthy and the parts we're ashamed of. And you talked a lot, you shared a lot about yourself. Those pieces are at my table too. And just really held a space for me to just be my whole self Mm -hmm. and feel so not judged I truly felt a sense of unconditional love in like its purest form. So then we get to the end of the session and I tell you, I have to tell you that I lied to you. Ryan didn't buy this for me. I bought it for myself. And I start hysterically crying and I admitted that I felt like I didn't deserve to buy it for myself. I didn't deserve, it felt weird to say I bought it for myself, that there was something wrong about that. And I felt I needed to justify this hour of love with someone else thinking I deserved it. And you said in that moment, oh, sister, I love you even more. Absolutely. And I love that part of you. And the only reason I could say that is because I love that part of me. I have lied. (laughs) I have stolen. I have cheated. I have used people. I have just kind of name it. I'm like, oh yeah, that sits at my table. That's in me. I'm not beyond any of this. Mm. And I understand the story. We all have so many stories, but I understand the story of unworthiness that sits at my mm-hmm. table or not thinking I'm deserving of time and love and tenderness and affection that I have to do something to earn it. Mm. that's in me and I think it's a very we're not unique in this it's something we just inherited and it's something that our culture has taught us and that the patriarchy's taught us it's a story we know by heart doesn't mean it's true but I know it by heart and no one on this planet has ever healed through shame ever we heal by learning to love these parts of us that are so human oh that was just the most human thing that you did it's the mm. most human thing. And I had an experience not too long ago. My best friend, I'm sure I told you this story because it was so impactful for me. It was such a like linchpin and like something shifted for me when mm. I experienced it. And my best friend was telling me a story about like years ago about her new partner and so incredible. And she'd been through so much. And it's a thing that I'd honestly pray for her. That's <laughs> what I wanted for her more than anything. But yet she's telling me the story and I'm happy for her. And at the same time, I felt viscerally jealous. My body felt so much jealousy. And the old version of me would feel the jealousy. And then I would become my own second wound because then I would shame myself for being such a horrible friend. What the hell is wrong with you? Why are you such a bad friend? This is your best friend. And then it's just Mm. downward spiraling. But even though I was really scared, I'm also really brave. And I mustered up courage and I tell her I'm so happy for you and then I tell her what's going on in my head and the story of Mm -hmm. jealousy and feeling that in my body and she did something that changed me she was behind the counter she walks around the counter stands in front of me and she looks me in the eye and says Ruthie I love that part of you and that part of you gets to be here and gets to be felt gets to be loved on and I love every part of you And we both start crying and we were just holding each other. And then it opened up dialogue for her to share with me some things that she had felt. Mm. And and I got to love on those parts of her. It took jealousy from being in the driver's seat 
to love. Love was driving that. It transmuted where it's still in me. It still sits at my table. It just doesn't have to be the head of the table. It doesn't have to be the driver of the table because these parts of us long to be felt. They long to be accepted. They long to be communed with. They long to be Mm. mourned. They long to be loved on. And we only heal through love. That's the only thing that brings actual transformation is love and self-compassion and tenderness. And that is what Audrey mirrored for me and what is for me. And it was a massively shifting moment. Whereas now, because I'm learning to do this, this is my own practice that I do constantly. The only reason I can offer that to you is because I offer that to myself. I've lied Mm -hmm. a million times trying to belong. And I'm Mm -hmm. wanting acceptance. And I want people to think I'm wonderful. I learned a million ways to fold myself up, to fit in a little box, to be accepted and to get love. We are literally wired for belonging. So again, I'm not unique in that. But the work is like unfurling and allowing every part of me to be here, which includes shadow and profound light, right? Mm. I am so joyous and generous and kind and loving and freaking hilarious and silly. And all of those parts of me get to be here. Every part of me. And when I do this work for myself, the overflow of that is every part of you gets to be here. A partner of mine gets to be here. Every part of my family, even the ones that I've judged and criticized and shamed. And when I do that and I project that on someone else, it's always this great indicator of parts of me that I've rejected and exiled and have not wanted to be with and not wanted to Mm. commune with. I had an experience last month that really was so beautiful. This precious girl who I'd hired, she was going through a transition with job and I hired her to come help me organize my house and hadn't seen her like a year or two. And a few things I couldn't find after she left because we were organizing and things get thrown away. And and she wrote me about a month ago and so vulnerable and so honest and shared with me that she had stolen some things from me. And I was so moved. I was so moved by her honesty, by her willingness to share that. And I just got so emotional and I left her message. I love that part of you. There's a part of me that's believed that there's never going to be enough for me. I know that so viscerally and I've learned to love on that part of me. And I just, I love that precious part of you that just longs to remember that there's always more. There's always enough for us. And I'm so honored that you would share that with me. And that gets to be here. It gets to be loved on. It gets to be felt and mourn that. I can only offer that because I do that for me and meant it with the depths of my soul. And I was so touched by her bravery to share that with me. Holy hell, that was so brave. And it touched me so much. And I think that if we were able to do more of that for ourselves, the way that we would move through the world, it just changes. I really think this work is like life-changing, shifting work for the collective because it shifts things. It just does. It shifts things. Yeah. And you're right. We can't hold space for someone else in a way we don't hold it for ourselves. We can pretend to maybe, but we can't on a cellular level, really fully accept it, fully embrace it, fully love them in that same way if we're not doing it for ourselves. And the jealousy, it's really interesting that you brought up that jealousy story because I just posted something last week on LinkedIn about jealousy. 
how I feel like jealousy is this really shameful emotion that we don't give a lot of space to. And I don't see it talked a lot about here. And I just want to name that I feel jealous here a lot of the time. I always feel like I'm not smart enough, witty enough, creative enough, liked enough, cool enough on this platform. And there were a lot of people who reflected feeling similarly. And a lot of the suggestions or that they were saying for them, what they do is redirect their energy to the work that's in front of them or to all the opportunities they have. And I really sat with that. And that's my condition tendency too, to work harder. And what I said to one of the women is I said, I'm like that too. But actually what I want to work on is how to not do more to be more. How to just let myself feel jealous, acknowledge that emotion, not shame myself for feeling that emotion, and then not make it about what I'm doing or not doing or what opportunities I have or don't have. I don't actually want to do anything. (laughs) I want to just feel and process and be okay and allowed to feel that thing without it being about gaslighting my own feelings to just say, you do have all these opportunities or saying, if you want to be like that, let that light a fire under you to start to do more of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And it's just so interesting because that's all our conditioning is not just that we're not supposed to feel that thing, but when we do, how to shift ourselves back into a disembodied overdrive state. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And is there a place for feeling grateful for what you do? Of course, for what you have and all of that. But I think for me, and what makes me curious about for other people, because I've found that this has been the biggest shift for me is first letting that part be here. Because usually these very conditioned parts of us come up. That's a conditioned feeling Mm -hmm. that something inherently is wrong, that I need to do more to be more accepted, to be more loved, to be more liked, to be more worthy, to be more deserved, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And so I love Tara Brock because she has this practice called RAIN. And the first thing is you just, you recognize that it's here. A, is you allow it to be here. Mm. Hi, jealousy, you get to be here. Thank Mm. you for showing me you. This is so human. Mm. Not to shame, it's just so human. I is inquire. Like we get to inquire and get curious and feel, where does jealousy live in my body? Every feeling, every emotion lives in our bodies. But we're usually, (laughs) we're so cute. We're just up here in the future, in the past. We're ruminating, future tripping. We're feeling regret, shame about something. And it's conjuring up stories. And so when we go in our body, we're here. We're feeling sensations. We're letting ourselves feel where we feel that thing in our body. And it's usually old. Mm. It's usually really old. And it's usually an old story. And then in is when we get to nurture it, we get to love on it, we get to reparent it, we get to bring radical compassion and kindness mm. to that part of us. Because usually what happens, like I said earlier, we see this conditioned thought, the first thought is always the conditioned belief, but usually we shame it. And then it's this downward spiraling mm. thing because of course no one heals from shame, but instead if you recognize it, it gets to be here, you feel it, you nurture it. You get to bring compassion and love to it. Then from that overflow, you get to feel the gratitude for all the things that you have. And I really believe jealousy is such a indicator of things that it's just an indicator of things we long for. Like we label these things as good or bad and we're very dualistic about what if it just is? 
And what if it's just an indicator? What if it's just an invitation? What if it's just a feeling? The story we tell ourselves about the feeling is where we suffer. Just in that last part of what you said, I just realized how much around jealousy in particular, we do this whole thing about what it means we're not, like we're not a good friend, like you were saying. If we feel jealous, we're not a good this, we're not a good that. Because I think about one of the places I experience a lot of jealousy is also with fertility stuff in my infertility challenges. And it's interesting. Of course, I'm jealous. Of course, I'm jealous. I want that experience to be different for me. I want what they have. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad friend. It doesn't mean that I don't love them. It actually means literally nothing about (laughs) them. And so I love that reframe because I think that's really where we do that second harm of like, I'm bad because I thought that. Something about me is inherently bad, wrong, undeserving. But think about the culture that we've been raised in. I was brought up in purity culture, in Christian culture, in moral, be a good girl. I was taught that my body is sinful, that my Mm. flesh is deceitful. I cannot trust my emotions, that my heart is deceitful, Mm. that I am a broken, depraved wretch. That's the hymns we sing. We're about being a broken, depraved wretch. Hello? (laughs) And that's the shit I inherited. I believe with every part of me that something about me is inherently bad or wrong. That is what I believed. Now, is any of it truth? No, but we believe these stories that we know by heart, that we inherited, that our mamas probably believe, that our daddies believe, that they're, because they weren't taught anything different either. They weren't taught to commune with their feelings, (laughs) to move them through their bodies. Like they swallowed that ish. So of course they couldn't teach that to us and they found their worth in people outside of them. So they want us to behave in a certain way. So their friends think we're wonderful. We just, Mm. we have been breathing this air in our whole lives. It's in ourselves, literally. It's what we have been just ingesting. Every time you pick up your phone and get on Instagram, you're told you need this thing to be worthy. You need this thing to be pretty. You need Mm. this thing to be skinny. You need to do this work to be valuable and worth. It's just story after story. And I think the first work is starting to recognize the stories. And then we get to be the second feeling because the stories, it's gonna come up. I've been doing this work for a very long time and this shit still comes up. It's just, it's in me. Am I a horrible human? No, I'm just really human. And the perfectionist part, perfectionism likes to crawl in my lap and sit right here. We know each other really well because there's also a part of me that knows that I am a divine human as is everyone else. We're divinity and we're human. So we get to be both. We're both in my humanness, of course, is like filled with shadow and light and contradictions. And I forget everything I'm saying to you right now. I can forget in five minutes and go back and just be, (laughs) right? But then we get to remember again. And I think so many of the practices that I do and so many of the things that I share are all things for remembering because we just forget. We come here to earth school with amnesia. We forget our divinity. We forget our worthiness. We forget how valuable we are because we freaking exist. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do anything to be worthy of love. Now, my sweet little conditioned self thinks that I do. 
And that's what's so interesting. Because going back to what you were saying at the beginning, there's many people that don't love themselves that are doing really generous, kind things in the world. But the difference is when you're doing it out of an overflow of love, out of loving yourself first, we've all heard you have to fill your cup up first. You have to put Mm. the mask on yourself first. When we do it from that place, it's not out of a place of, I need to be needed. I need to love you so I can get your love back. Because that's what drove me most of my life. I did not know that I didn't have to do anything to be worthy of love. I thought I had to give all of myself. And that's in me. That is in me. (laughs) I care so much. Mm -hmm. I feel people's emotion. I just, and I love that part of me. And so often it came out of a place of lack. Like I have to give everything Mm -hmm. so that I can have people think I'm the most generous, loving, kindest, name it. And that was the deeper level shadow part that was driving so much of me loving so much and giving so much of myself and being so generous and neglecting my own needs to do for others because I needed to be needed and I needed their affirmation and I needed their love. And was any of that sustainable? (laughs) No, it burns you out, pain in your body, you're denying your own needs Mm -hmm. and worthiness. And so learning how to bring this love, bring this compassion, bring embodiment practices to actually feel what my body feels and needs and my body's yeses and my body's no's. Mm. I didn't learn any of that growing up. Now, what that gifts me is the ripples of that allow me to actually sit across from you and have you bring up any part of you and like, yes, you precious human that gets to be here. It's changed my dynamic in my relationships. It's changed the way I interact with people. It's changed my dating life. Because if every part of me gets to be here, then every part of you Mm -hmm. gets to be here. And I get to love on that part of you and you get to love on that part of you. And it might not on the outside look that from someone who's just giving of themselves and being so generous and so kind, but on a pretty massive foundational level, it's so different. And I can feel the difference now. First Tea of Greater Akron needed to switch from an outdated donor management system to something more user-friendly. With Bloomerang, they found that and more. Executive Director Josh Smith commented, We love Bloomerang. It saved time. It's helped us raise more funds. By investing in a donor database that they actually loved using, First Tee of Greater Akron was able to raise more funds and continue creating lasting change in their community. To listen to the full interview with First Tee of Greater Akron, visit bloomerang.com backslash what the fundraising or click the link in the show notes. And I think everyone can if they listen to it. And we can feel it when it's happening too. We can feel when someone's doing something for us as a way to stack up points versus giving really generously from a place of desire. And even if we can't in our head recognize it, we feel it in our bodies. And I talk a lot on this podcast around how the behavior is not the thing. The thing is the energy behind the behavior. Is it bad that I watched five hours of Netflix? I'm like, how did you feel after you watched five hours of Netflix? Did you feel refreshed and inspired and excited and all these things? Then doesn't sound like it was bad. Did you feel anxious and stressed and worried and couldn't sleep? 
all right, so maybe that's something to look at if your goal is to not feel that way. But we so often just look at the behavior and we're like, is it good or bad to do this thing? But actually, if we want to be existing in more sustainable ways with ourselves and feeling better ourselves, then it's not just about what we do. It's the energy behind how we do it, why we do it, all of those different pieces. And something you just said that I'm really thinking about now is, of course, we feel external validation is how we know whether or not we're good or lovable or worthy Mm -hmm. because our whole lives, the feedback we get is based on how comfortable it makes someone else. And I talked a little bit about crying on Instagram. It was like noon in California. And I'd already heard three women tell me someone had told them not to cry. So I took out my camera. (laughs) I was like, I got something to say about that. And not only is like crying so beneficial and healing, but that don't cry. And now I see it all the time on TV. Someone starts, oh, don't cry. And even said from a voice as if it's about, oh, I don't want you to cry because I care about you not crying. What's Mm -hmm. happening in that moment is they are uncomfortable with you crying. Yes. In therapy, when I went to on-site, they won't allow you to even offer tissue to someone unless they ask for it. Because it's our own conditioning, like I'm uncomfortable, wipe your eyes. I'm going to give you tissue right now. Where we're thinking, and sometimes it's not always the case, but like someone who gets mm-hmm. tissue from someone, it can make them feel like, oh, I need to stop. Mm-hmm. And so they might get that narrative that it's not okay to do this. And the amount of times my clients will apologize for crying, I'm like, oh, your tears are the most sacred, holy. Yesterday, I had two different clients cry from second one until 60 minutes. Like we literally cried and it was the most sacred, holy, beautiful. Hillary McBride told me this in one of our courses we taught together. Tears are one of the only, I don't know what the correct terminology is, that we can cut off and not let come out. Like you can't not pee. You can't not poop eventually. If you're going to snot, it's going to come out. But tears, we can cut off. And she said that, this is wild, that they did a study and when a full weeping, shedding, clearing tears come out, they tested the tears and they're so toxic that they could actually kill a small mouse. And we're trying to keep that inside, but it's so cleansing. It's letting out so many toxins from your body. It's releasing so much. It's the most loving thing that you're getting that out. Wow. But we can cut it off. And then that toxicity is staying in our body. My brother used to call my nephews. They'd stop crying. He'd be like, good job, nails. You're tough as nails to stop crying. Mm -hmm. And I'd just be like, oh, no, please cry. Cry all you want. Let it out. You know, but we are so taught, especially males, you know, that's not what a man does. And I think tears are the most sacred, loving holy, most beautiful. I love that. And I definitely have been one of the people who's apologized to you for crying. Yeah. And I remember one of my mentors, Karen Mulvaney, one time I told her a story and she started crying from it. And I immediately felt guilty and I started to apologize for making her cry. And she just turned to me and said, I love that I can access my emotions like this. Oh. And I was just, wait, wait, 
<laughs> and I think these are for some folks a super radical idea, a super radical idea because they have 10, 20, 30, 40, 80, 90 years. I talked to my 96-year-old grandmother who says everything she's thinking at the moment. And to not everyone's pleasure, sometimes, a lot of the time. And not everyone. (laughs) But recently I dug into it with her a little bit. And she started to share with me how she spent 80 years of her life feeling like she couldn't speak her mind. She wasn't allowed to say what she thought or how she felt. And hearing that, knowing that really even shifted my compassion when she says something that feels inappropriate to me. And it's just such a healing practice for you and for the community in which you're in. And think about someone that's never done, or I don't want to make assumptions about your grandmother, but for people that haven't done inner work, because what I'm not saying here, when I talk about bringing all of our parts for ourselves, is just being so you get to just go out and be an asshole. (laughs) You get to just say whatever you want, no matter what, that gets to be here. But what shifts is, and what's so beautiful is now, like I'll have conversations and I'll get to say I know my audience. So if I'm talking to someone that feels safe, that has earned my trust, yeah, I get to say the story that my little conditioned brain is telling me right now. And I don't believe that's true, but here's what my insecurity is mm. saying. Here's what my fear is saying. Here's what my criticism is mm. saying right now. And again, it doesn't mean any of this is true, but here's the stories that are playing. Mm. And I want to bring a lot of love and compassion and just be honest with you that this is what's playing in my head. And I don't believe this is true, but here's what's happening. And what is beautiful is when you do this, large majority of humans aren't doing this work. So they don't necessarily have the skills or the language yet to be able to know that narrative that's happening isn't the truth, Mm. that it's just a story or that that judgment isn't real. And that doesn't mean that's actually true about that person. So they just are either keeping it playing Mm. on with their head all the time, or they're saying it and people are like, you're just dick and I don't want to hang out with you. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because they don't have yet, they haven't been taught the tools to commune with those parts Mm. within themselves, that the stories are just stories. Mm. They're just stories. It doesn't mean I make up, I'm the best storyteller I've ever met in my entire (laughs) life. I make up so many effing stories that very few of them are actually based in reality. It's based Mm. on my past traumas and my past hurts and my past pains and wounds and abandonment. So often, unless we're doing this stuff and communing with these parts, those parts drive and we see the world through that lens. I love the quote, no one sees the world as it truly is. We see it as we are. I'm not seeing this person as they are. I'm seeing them as I am. And if I am criticizing and judging and hating myself, then it's going to be really easy for me to criticize, judge, and hate on them. Yeah. And latch on to their criticism, perhaps of me, Because I think the piece here that you said that is, yeah, everyone's coming into relationship with different skills, different levels of awareness. My grandmother hasn't done that work. And maybe if it was a different relationship, I would try to create more growth between the two of us. Mm -hmm. But because of what it is, it's just actually about holding that space, 
not taking it personally, recognizing my own boundaries around what I hear versus what I let inside my body. And it just has changed how I can show up because Mm -hmm. I think many years ago, she could have said some of those things. And because they're not all untrue, like sometimes Mm. she'll say something like, you've gained weight recently. That was not an untrue statement. Was it what I needed to hear today? No, but I don't have to spin out over it in the same way. Because I think that's such a hard line. Obviously, you don't want to go around being an asshole in the world, but you might say things that are going to make people uncomfortable when you take care of yourself. Of course you will. (laughs) That's a guarantee. Guaranteed. Yeah. And so it's okay. Like It's not your job to make everyone comfortable all the time. So really for me, it's also been recognizing that because I think for a long time, I felt setting boundaries was unkind because it made people feel uncomfortable. And so pulling that apart, it's nuanced. Yes, it is. It's so, everything's nuanced. I think we have these like black and white things, but you're so right. And when I'm saying loving and accepting other people's parts, I'm not saying not to have boundaries. Just because Mm -hmm. I've learned to love and accept certain family members that they get to have their belief systems that are very opposite of mine and I get to just show up as love, I also have really strong boundaries. And there's people that I can love them from afar and they get to be Mm -hmm. who they are and love who they are at this point in time and their journey is perfect. And there's nothing for me to fix about them. And they're not in my life. They're not in my life. I get to send them love from afar, but it didn't feel loving for me to be in relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And so I am such a firm believer in boundaries. And do I always do it? No, but it's gotten so much better and it's so different than it used to be. And I would stay in relationships that didn't necessarily feel that good because one, I probably got something out of it and I got to use them on some level. Something Mm -hmm. kept me around. And I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And the insecure part of me was worried that what they think or hurt Mm. someone's feelings. And now I'm like, it's actually so loving to have boundaries. (laughs) Even if the person that the boundaries are put up with feels, hates it and thinks it's the worst thing ever, it's actually still really loving. It's really loving. It's actually loving for them too, which it doesn't feel like in the moment. It just probably feels really terrible and they probably hate it. But like anytime we honor our own agency and our own bodies and our own needs and our own desires. It's the most loving thing we can do for ourselves, Mm. but it's also the most loving mirroring of what is for them too. They get to do that. Everyone has this within them, agency. Think about when I was a child, if go hug Mr. Blah, 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 and Mm. I want to, I I couldn't say no. That would be rude and Mm. whatever. I just learned to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. There wasn't room for no. There's very tiny margin for no's in my home. Mm. So I learned to not listen to my body's no, my Mm. body's agency. So I learned to do whatever I needed to do to get the love and belonging affirmation, Mm. to be pleasing, to be desirable, to get that affirmation. We're wired for it. We're wired for belonging. And so this starts so so young. And so often we also aren't taught how to calm our own nervous systems because our parents Mm. don't know how to calm their nervous system. So when we're feeling big feelings Mm. and big emotions, as of course every child does, we're either handed food or we're whipped or we're punished Mm. or we're 
told we're being bad, all these things. So we learn how to swallow them and not feel Mm. them, that they're bad, that something about that is bad. So I can't feel that. But of course, it doesn't go away. In internal family systems, they call it, it's exiled into the basement. And it comes Mm. out sideways and usually ends up driving. (laughs) It does end up driving eventually. Like it doesn't go away. And the most loving thing we can do is learning how to be with these parts that we've swallowed, that live within us, that long to be felt and communed with. And a lot of that also is like, it's agency. It Mm. really is. And that's, I'm not saying it's easy. This is daily Mm. practice for me. I saw it recently where I'm like going on dates with people. And if I'm not interested, there's this part of me that just wants to moonwalk the F out and not say that I'm not interested and just like all of a sudden not be here anymore because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and I never want anyone to feel bad. Wow. That conditioned part of me is so strong. Mm. It's so strong. I don't want anyone Mm. to be disappointed in me. Mm. I don't want to have, it's just, it's Mm -hmm. in me. It's Mm -hmm. so in me. So to Mm -hmm. be in integrity and to speak honestly and to speak truthfully and no joke. It's no joke. joke. One of the things I love about you so much is the way you allow your own work into your practice with other people. I think there's so much in this industry sometimes that's this is what it looks like to have it all figured out. And it's, oh man, all of this stuff is not linear. It's here are the practices, here are the rituals, here's the ways in which even with boundary setting, I'm always like, I felt for a while like it was a skill that I needed to learn and then I had it. And every day it's, oops, wrong boundary, too tight of a boundary, too loose of a boundary. And it's like playing with it and just realizing it's this like constant dance with all these things. I know I was like, this is going to be one of those podcast interviews that I really need 10 hours for. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) before we wrap up, something I feel is also really special about you is how you tie conversations like this to rituals. And Mm -hmm. that has been Mm -hmm. a way in which you've had such a profound impact on me is giving Mm -hmm. me tiny rituals that have completely shifted, Mm -hmm. done that Mm -hmm. sort of one degree shift at a time, but have rerouted me in so many Mm -hmm. ways. And so Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you'd share maybe three of your favorite rituals that relate to like self-love and healing boundaries, the themes I feel have really come up. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. I received that so much because it's what I so desperately needed for myself. Again, the only thing I ever offer and share are all the things that I'm constantly doing for myself. And I do love, I'm not a counselor, which is ironic because not ironic. That's not the right word, but it's interesting because I work like probably half my clients are counselors, which is so mm. fascinating. But I think there's something special because I don't have the rules that a counselor has to go mm. by that I do get to share so mm. much about myself. Like, here's my struggles. Here's the things. And it creates a container that's really conducive to rawness of here's this. So then it opens up a place for the other to be like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's been a struggle. You know what I mean? And and so there's something really, I don't know. It just works for me. And I also don't know how to not share myself. (laughs) I don't know how to do anything else anyway. (laughs) But I thank you for that. So yeah, so much of my work, 
I left my body really young. I probably left pre-verbally trauma and some things. And everything I share has a component to bring it back into the body. And I will never forget hearing the shaman say this quote, knowledge is just a rumor until it's moved into the muscle. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, my whole life feels like it's been a rumor because I've not actually been in my body. I've usually been in the future or the past or in my head and not present in my body. And that is like our gateway to healing. That's where all our trauma lives. That's where all our pain lives. That is where all of our past, our parents' trauma lives. And so if we're not doing practices to move this head knowledge into the muscle, then it's not going to be integrated. And it's not actually, it's just a rumor. Mm-hmm. And like you said, everything that I share has these different practices. So a few of the things that I offer that I do for myself is like one, I ask everyone to dance. And again, another shamanic thing, I heard a shaman say that when people come to him and are suffering, the first thing he asks is when was the last time you danced? Because when we let ourselves move our bodies and move, think about animals, a cat is being chased by a dog and gets away. What it does when it's done is it just shakes, it shakes all over and then it goes and eats its dinner. Because it knows how to move the emotion through its body, but we are not taught this. We swallow these emotions and it makes us sick and it makes us anxious and it makes us have chronic pain and it shows up in our body. We know the body keeps the score. So that's just one, it seems way too simple and way too silly. The most profound, it's mind boggling how profound and how amazing. (laughs) It's just so freaking beautiful. So that's just what, there's so many different things. I think I've learned a lot of tools for like emotional releasing of practices to move your feeling anger. There's ones where you can just scream or hit a pillow. And I literally will scream F word. I let myself scream. No, I let myself throw tantrums. I wasn't allowed to throw tantrums as a child. Mm -hmm. So letting myself get on the bed and kick and scream. No, screaming at the top of my lungs is so loving to move. And the thing is, it's not to say that these feelings that we have are necessarily true, but we felt them Mm. and then they get swallowed and then they're stuck in our body. So practices to get things out. Like I have my friend, Nicole Sachs teaches this practice called journal speak, where you let yourself for 20 minutes free write anything that comes up. Like I have screamed at people. I have yelled. I have called them names. I was like, remember a good girl that's not allowed to say, I just learned to smile, think all these things. Of course I did, but swallow it. Like good girls just Mm -hmm. forgive and move on. People had done some really painful things, which as have I to so many, but letting myself scream at them. I've Mm -hmm. screamed at my dead dad who's passed Mm -hmm. away. And I've said to him the things that I went allowed to say when he was earthside. And it doesn't mean all the things are true, but I felt them and I swallowed them. So giving myself space to scream mm. and yell and type, just free type. And then the second those 20 minutes are up, you select all and you delete it because it doesn't mean it's true. And also when we're journaling, we're like, someone could read this and I don't want mm. them to, <laughs> you know, so we don't say it all. And so you get it out. You let your body almost be like animalistic. I just Mm. get like feral. And then after I get to do this like beautiful love 
meditation <laughs> and I cover myself in so much love first. And then I cover whoever I lost my mind on in so much love. Mm. And then I let them go back to God and I feel lighter. And I'll give you one other is I know we've done this one, asking yourself a question with your right hand and then allowing yourself to answer with your left or your non-dominant. So writing mm. the question with your dominant answering with your non-dominant and letting yourself, because it's really wild, <laughs> what will come out where it's like this inner child, the longing, mm-hmm. it's the deeper, truer story that comes out with your non-dominant. There's so many, I could name 9,000 different things, but I do, I have learned so many practices and they all come back to being with the body, to moving emotion, yeah. to moving the knowledge from a rumor into mm-hmm the muscle. And that's more of the divine feminine path. It's more of the receptive. It's the more embodied. It's not forced. There's no Mm. forcing. Nothing in my work will ever be forceful ever Mm. because people's journey is perfect. My goal is to create a really beautiful, brave container. But the image I always get is there's like padded walls Mm. to push up against edges, but it's a soft. I love what you said before, because it is so true. It's these one degree shifts. Because that's what's like actually accessible and integratable and feels like you can be scared, but also really brave. I just love you so much. I just love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. Oh, I can't Uh, believe I get to be your friend. That's how I feel. Okay. Tell everyone how they can find you, how they can work with you. And I also invite folks, if they want to highlight a nonprofit that they love, and for yes. folks to check out, they get to do that too. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. The one that I work with the most is Thistle Farms. Do you know Thistle Farms? No. It's here out of Nashville, actually. My friend Becca Stevens started it probably 30, 20, 30 years ago. They sell their products in Whole Foods all over the country. Mm-hmm. But she started it. It's for women who have been in the sex industry. And she creates places for them to live, therapy, work. She is an Episcopal pre- pastor, preacher. I don't know what they call it. Just the most wholehearted woman that I'm mm. so in love with this human and her mission and her heart. And I've had the privy of knowing so many of the leaders of this company mm. and they've done it in such an incredible way that so many of the leaders had come through the school and through the training and through the program. And the most incredible, they also have a cafeteria, this beautiful little restaurant and these incredible women, like they're given therapy forever. If they go through it and graduate, like they have access to help the rest of time and they get to work, they get to provide for their families, they get their children back. It's just, it's done. I use literally right here is my chapstick from Thistle Farms. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It says love heals. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it does. That's, that's it. Hello, ma'am. Love heals. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that company. I think I am such a believer. I'm such a believer in their mission. And these women are just the most profound. I get to experience God expressed through these women. Mm. Like they are just the image of God to me. They are so mm. profound. And so you can find me. I have an Instagram. And it's just my name, Ruthie Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. And I'm actually updating my website right now. But on my website, also, you can sign up for my newsletter and you can find out and get like discounts on things. So you'll be the first to know about like workshops I'm doing. When you sign up for it, you can pay, I think, $6 a month. I do 
a lot of offerings for anyone that signed up for this. And there's also a free option if you just want the newsletter. But if you sign up for it, you get a free workshop basically each month. You also get a podcast that I interviewed, just beautiful, precious humans. And you can find out about different workshops and retreats and things that I'm offering. And then these love reflections, I just started another container. It's a six-week container. And it's the greatest privilege to be able to sit with and mirror everything I know is so true for these incredible humans that I get the honor, the absolute honor and privilege of sitting across from. And it's just, it's a deep, the words that come to me right now, it feels like a deep time of remembering. Mm. It's just remembering our inherent value and worth and goodness and all the things that are so right and true and bringing so much love and compassion to these parts of us that we've just exiled and hated and shamed. So yeah, that's where I am. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I can't recommend it like more highly. I talk about it all the time to everyone. And I think for nonprofit leaders who are listening to, it's just the type of space that is not often available, accessible. And I know so many people like me struggle with like the self-care, self-love industry recommendations. I always felt like a massage isn't what I need, or I kept really striking out at I love a good bubble bath, but I don't feel more self-love after it. And I feel working with you is the first time I was, oh, this Mm. is how I learned Mm. how to do this for myself. Mm. And so I'm just so grateful for you and the work that you do, Mm. whatever it's called. Maybe you just get to be a unicorn. (laughs) Love reflector unicorn. Here we are. (laughs) All I know is you are so deserving of that love. You are so worthy and so deserving of that. And I feel so proud that I've had the honor of like witnessing you and watching you and getting to experience you. I'm in awe of who you are. And I just love you so much. And I feel like I just hit the jackpot that I've gotten to work with you. (laughs) Like I just feel like the luckiest because you are so, you are such a gift, Valerie. And the work that you do is so profound and so beautiful and all of us lucky enough to learn from you are just we're blessed so thank you thank you all right i know this was a bit of a different episode and it was meant to be exactly that a lot of the time on this show we are all up in our heads but this conversation was about how to bring it back down into our bodies. I hope you saw yourself in some of the stories we told so that you feel a little less alone and a little more free, knowing that we are all more similar than we think, especially with the parts of ourselves we're the most ashamed of. I wanna recap a few of the practices that Ruthie gifted us. I use so many of these in my daily life. Number one, intentional expression. Dance, move, scream, cry. Let that energy move through you. Process what's happening around you and the experience that you're having in your body. Number two, journal free thoughts on your computer. Set a timer for two to 20 minutes, and when the buzzer goes off, delete it. Number three, have your dominant hand write out a question and your non-dominant hand write the answer. This creates an opening for your true self to emerge and tell your own story. 
And number four, the RAIN framework that author and psychologist Tara Brock recommends for processing jealousy and other challenging emotions. The steps go like this. Recognize that the feeling is here. Then allow and even welcome the emotion. Inquire as to where this emotion lives in your body and then nurture that part that has been shamed. Okay, there are so many more amazing insights and takeaways from this episode. So head on over to MalloryErickson.com backslash podcast to grab them now. You'll also find more information there about Ruthie and her love reflection sessions, workshops and retreats, all of which you should definitely go check out right now. Thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would give it a rating and review and share it with a friend. I am so grateful for all of my listeners and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. And if you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under what the fundraising underscore. Have a great day and I'll see you next week. you. I hope you're loving all the free value you're getting right now from our guest. And speaking of free value, I've raised millions in the nonprofit space without sacrificing my integrity or my alignment. And I'm sharing how I did it in my free webinar, how to harness the power of prioritization to raise more without burning out. Go to MalloryErickson.com backslash workshop to register for the free training right now. I cannot wait to see you there.